Hello, and welcome to Bubby Brister's Brunch Buddies, your go-to show for football history, analysis, and general sports information on the Dallas Cowboys, Washington football team, and even the Mariners on KMIH 88.9 The Brunch. I'm Harry Gollum, here with Andrew Pearson. As per usual. And today, Andrew and I are going to be covering the matchup between the New England Patriots and the Indianapolis Colts. We'll also talk about Urban Meyer's let's just say demonstrative coaching tactics, Roger Goodell's predictable statements that are starting to ring a little hollow and the confidence of Bengals head coach, Zach Taylor. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. First, let's dive into the matchup. So perhaps unsurprisingly, Andrew, the Patriots lead all time 52 to 29, but it's really in the playoffs where it's especially poor for Indy as New England holds a four to one all-time advantage. And interestingly, every single one of those games has come in the 21st century. Yeah, all of those have to have been the Peyton Manning years, right? Well, and then the Andrew Luck years. Yeah, one, Andrew Luck's guest appearance before he tragically retired from the NFL. He actually had two. He played played Brady twice. Oh, okay. So, yeah, but the point is that, honestly... It's kind of surprising that the Patriots hold such a significant all-time advantage, at least in my opinion, because the Patriots were not a good team for a very long time. And while the Colts weren't great, I think that it was it's interesting to me. It's not necessarily what I would I would have expected it to be a little closer. I mean, the Colts had had a couple stretches of relevance. Basically, every single time they had their really good quarterback, they had they were relevant. Like you had the Johnny Unitas years in the '60s, and then yeah. fast forward all the way to the 2000s. You have the Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck era, and uh, and so on. Yep, certainly. Uh, but the first game I want to focus on is actually a rather recent game, and at that, a rather infamous game, which is the Deflate Gate game. Ooh, okay. So I'm sure everyone remembers, but just to review, it came out that in the run of the 2014 AFC Championship game, Tom Brady illegally wanted the balls below air pressure. Basically there's a standard air pressure for an NFL football and he liked his softer, less inflated. Mm-hmm. And so he deflated the balls. Yeah. Deflate game. And I hate Tom Brady, right? Mm-hmm. With the, with the passion and the fury of a thousand sons. But I think this was a really overblown scandal. I mean, not like, only that, but the Colts would have benefited from the softer ball too yeah and also it was not a very close game so even assuming the advantage was significant for the patriots and not for the colts it really would not have mattered especially since we'll talk a little bit about how that patriots game was won and the patriots won that game let me give you a hint it wasn't because tom brady was the greatest passer (laughs) of all time okay so there you go but the point is i think that this was a really overblown scandal especially since a lot of quarterbacks have actually come out and said i had balls deflated i think the um, who was it? Was it uh, Rich Gannon came out that in the Super Bowl, the the uh, uh, Bucks, Bucks Raiders, Raiders Super Bowls? Yeah, he said he had the balls deflated, or at least tried to. I think he tried to. He said something about giving like a ball boy two hundred bucks to deflate the balls. <laughs> Did he yeah, do it? I mean, like, I don't think it works. Oh, <laughs> so I don't. My point is, I'm sorry if that if I'm misremembering, I'm sorry for besmirching Rich Gannon's name. But the point is, it was a pretty common practice, and I think it was overblown. But let's talk about that game for a moment because we need to talk about how just about how excellent Tom Brady was and how it's clear that 
with the deflated balls. He was just killing it. All right. Uh-huh. So number one, Legarrette Blunt for a one one yard touchdown run in the first quarter. Clearly, Tom Brady had a big role in that. I mean, he right? is an elite handoffer of the ball. That's right. He did not fumble the handoff. Not every quarterback could do that. You know. <laughs> then, oh, Tom Brady one yard pass for a touchdown Ooh. late in the first quarter. That's right. One yard. One yard. Okay, was it a fade, though? No. It was a check down. Oh, was it a check down to the running back? Yeah. Oh, that's so lame. It's oh, Tom that's... Brady. <laughs> it's Tom Brady, so that check down was elite. Not surprisingly, considering how much better Tom Brady is and was at that point than Andrew Luck. It took Andrew Luck all the way until the second quarter to hand the ball off for a touchdown run of his own. And then, what? New England, as time expires, Tom Brady, absolutely clutch. He says, do I need to convert on a red zone opportunity? No, but I will will Steven Goskowski to knock through <laughs> a field goal. So the Pats are up 17-7, and it's all because of Tom Brady. That's number one, right? Yeah. Um, so then comes the third quarter. And, oh, Tom Brady, he actually passed, has a 16-yard pass. There you go. That's almost a long pass. Almost. Almost a long pass. It's a nice first down. Yeah. Then, oh, he hits Gronk for a five-yard pass. Ooh. Wow. Wow, hitting the best tight end of all time for five yards. And then, get this, LeGarrette Blunt runs for two more touchdowns. There you go. So Tom Brady was Tom great Brady. in that game. The New England was 45-7. to seven. Tom Brady genuinely dominates with i i don't know um chess match. Will? yeah chess match he goes somehow he only goes 23 for 35 passing think about that what, what's the yardage though 226 so, on 35 attempts oh no <laughs> <laughs> oh no i mean you can't what throw you, you can't throw over 35 passes and be under 250, man. That's yes, he can. He's the GOAT, Andrew. He's the GOAT. Okay? You don't get it. <gasps> oh my god, folks. We just had a major piece of news break while recording the show. Uh-oh. All right. So you know what? I'm gonna stop the whole program. Stop the presses. Breaking news. According to NFL.com, Urban Meyer has just been fired. Yeah! Offensive coordinator Let's Darren Bevel. Is going to be elevated to become interim Jaguars head coach. Urban Meyer is out in Jacksonville. It appears his final offense, which we will talk about later in this episode, was too much for owner Shot Khan. And now Jacksonville is looking forward to the Darren Bevel Trevor Lawrence era. <laughs> I cannot be more elated, Harry. This is Whoa. a victory for the NFL. <laughs> it's something that goes to show teams that just because you get a big name head coach from college does not mean it's going to work out. We have mm-hmm. history for this. All right. We have John Nick McKay. Saban. We have John McKay for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers way back when. Didn't oh, I'll out. defend John McKay. That was, no, he was funny though. Team. He was funny though. That's the thing. Why, what are you coach? What's your opinion on your team's execution? I'm all for it. <laughs> No, we do like John McKay, but John McKay didn't work out. Chip Kelly, yeah. train wreck. Um, Bobby Petrino, absolute dumpster fire. 
Urban Meyer, quite possibly the worst head coaching hire of NFL history. And I don't think it's particularly close. Now, I will say one other thing, which is that, um, you know, Urban Meyer should have listened to legendary college football coach Lou Holtz, who once famously said, God didn't put Lou Holtz on this earth to coach pro football. <laughs> well, God didn't put Urban Meyer on this earth to coach pro football either. So, yeah. Anyway, the other thing I wanted to mention was that Tom Brady's elite play did not just extend to his own performance, but oh, also to how he got in Andrew Luck's head. Andrew Luck went 12 for 33 with two picks oh. for a passer rating of 23. Wow, it's I mean, almost like Tom Brady plays defense, Harry. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sorry, but that's just elite. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, always, it's always fascinating how Tom Brady always seems to lead such a great defense every year. I mean, where would the where would the Patriots really be without him? I don't know, but not as good of a defensive team, that's for sure. So now I'm going to move on to the only playoff win the Colts have against the Patriots. Flashback. It's 2006. It, well, I should say it's 2007, but it's the 2006 season AFC Championship game, right? Yeah. And initially, uh, Tom Brady encourages his teammate to recover a fumble in the end zone to put New England up seven to nothing. <laughs> and then Adam Vinatieri hits a field goal for uh, for Indianapolis. So now if you, if you didn't know, folks, Tom Brady was on the goalpost blowing it in himself. <laughs> true. true. <laughs> so now New England is up seven to three. Then Tom Brady hands off to Corey Dillon, who runs for seven yards for touchdown. And then Tom Brady presumably tips a pass, which Asante Samuel intercepts and returns 39 yards for a touchdown. That's Asante presumably, Samuel senior, folks. That's true. Presumably. Tom Brady tipped that pass and then laid down a critical block. But I, I'm just speculating here. And then Adam Vinatieri hits another field goal. So New England actually heads into the half up 21 to six. That's mm-hmm. a, that's not a winning formula, right? No, Harry, it's not. Well, then I don't know what happened, but Peyton Manning, he scores uh, on a one yard run to make it 21, 13. And then, oh my God, Peyton Manning, not only scores a touchdown on a one-yard pass, but then he converts the two-point conversion to tie at 21 with four minutes left in the third quarter. Thankfully, Tom Brady just blows everyone's mind. Six-yard pass for a touchdown. That's right. He, he, only he could do that. Mm-hmm, that's right. Only, only and, Tom Brady can throw five-yard slants that go for 50 yards. That's right. <laughs> just like he did against the Bills. He still got it. <laughs> But then, so New England's up 28-21, heading into the final frame of play. Then half, almost half of the quarter passes, nobody scores. Then Steven Goskowski splits the uprights, 31-21 New England. Then Vinatieri responds to make it a one-score game again, 31-24. Then Goskowski responds again to make it a 10-point game again. Finally, with a minute left to go, Indianapolis breaks through and Joseph Adai has a three yard touchdown run to make it 34 31. Joseph Adai, let, the LSU alum, baby. Let me make this clear to you here. Uh huh. This is a situation in which the Patriots are up by, uh, by three with one minute left to go. Right? Yeah. 
I also told you that this was the Colts' only playoff win. Yes. Andrew. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to say this, but I think Tom Brady's team choked. Did they? Now, well, who now who did they lose to, Harry? Who was the what, quarterback on the other side of that coin? Well, for a moment, I have to point out how they lost. Oh, There was a fumble in the end zone, and the Colts picked it up. They scored, making it 38-34 and winning the uh, 2006 season AFC Championship game. They would then go on to beat the Bears in the Super Bowl when Peyton Manning is the Super Bowl. It's almost like Peyton Manning was the best quarterback of that generation. It's all, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a hot take there. Uh, you don't see Peyton Manning uh, encouraging his uh, top defensive players to get pick sixes. So, I don't know. And uh, maybe maybe Peyton Manning, maybe it was his forehead or something, but he couldn't fit on the goalposts to kind of like sh- pull the go- goalposts back a little bit just so okay, I don't wanna... he could, could, you know, get it in there. Okay, I'm sorry, Andrew, but listen to the, listen to the facts, okay? Uh-huh. Tom Brady in that game went 21 for 34. Do the math. How many incompletions is that? That's, That's... 13 incompletions. Uh-huh. Right? I was about Peyton to Manning say seven. Went 20... <laughs> <laughs> Peyton Manning went 27 for 47. That means 20 incompletions. Mm-hmm. Need more incompletions. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. They both threw interceptions, but presumably Peyton Manning's was worse. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently so. Peyton Manning took more sacks. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Huh? You think about that? Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk are, are about that. Are going. you telling me that Tom Brady plays offensive line too? <laughs> True, but also Peyton Manning. We're not. We're not going to talk about yard totals though. I don't think that's no. Important. But guys, but guys, Tom Brady never had any weapons ever. True. Ever. I mean, let me let me read through this receiving core and let me see if you can name anyone. Okay, actually, his receiving core was not that good in this game. All right, I'll, I'll be fair here. No, Benjamin who, Watson. No, Ben Wa- Ben Watson was a long time tight end in the NFL. Keith Evans, Jabbar Gaffney, Troy Brown. Oh, I actually do know Jabbar Gaffney. Jabbar Gaffney yeah. was a, was a was a really good number two receiver for the Texans next to Andre Laurent, Johnson. Uh, Kevin Falk and uh, Lawrence Mul- Maroney. So, no, admittedly, not no. The it was best a solid team. backfield. You had yeah. Was Wes Welker still on the team? Uh, if he was, he didn't catch anything. Yeah, because this was the year before they got Moss. This was the year yeah. they lost Dion Branch. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But also, also, final stat that proves Tom Brady better than Peyton Manning, even in this game. Andrew, guess what Tom Brady's rush... Guess how many yards Tom Brady rushed for? Uh, Probably, he's TB12, so he must have rushed for 12. He ran for one on four attempts. Oh, oh. But Peyton Manning ran for zero on two attempts. So... Tom As Brady we can him. conclude. That's right. Tom Brady, the next Michael Vick. Okay. I don't, Andrew, I, I, I don't know. Your man. silence says it all. Your silence says it all that you agree with me. Absolutely. So, so now uh, we're going to talk about an actually really fun game back in 92 when the Patriots and the Colts were bad and neither of them had good quarterbacks. Well, oh, was this the Jim game, Harbaugh year? Uh, no, this was the Jeff uh, George. It's got to be Jeff George. Yep, Jeff George. But do you know yes. who was on the Patriots? Oh side? my God! No, this was the, this was the year. This was before they had Bledsoe. Oh yes, because when when did they draft Bledsoe? Like ninety five. 
little, I think it was like 94, 93. Yeah. So but before this season, certainly. So you ready oh, for a name? You ready for a name, Azure? Oh, no. Scott Zolak. Scott Zolak. Okay. Yeah. To be fair, that is that is kind of a cool name. It is a cool name. Now, entering this game, the Patriots were 0-9. <laughs> so, you know. Oh, yeah, this must have been the year that they got that they got uh they must have gotten blood so yeah so anyway let's talk about how the game starts well it opens up with a with a clarence verdon 53 yard punt return for a touchdown to put indy up seven to nothing that's right Mm -hmm. that's right exciting right then new england actually has new england's own david pool has a 41 yard pick six to tie the game okay but jeff george pulls a tom brady and has a one yard touchdown pass so 14-7 Indianapolis. But Scott Zolak hits Ben Coates two yards downfield to tie the game up. This is all in the first quarter, mind you. Roaring offensive performance, 14 points on both sides. Then in the second quarter, Jeff George hits Carry Cash for a touchdown to put Indy up 21-14. But with time expiring, Scott Zolak hits Greg McMurdy to tie the game up mind you both of those touchdowns came in the last minute of play andrew mm-hmm. how about that so then you might think well geez both teams scored 21 points in an awesome and exciting first half right oh, this has no. gotta it's gotta pick up right third quarter is gonna be a rip roaring time oh indianapolis kicks one field goal that's it that's is, it that was the rest of the game no we have the fourth quarter but it's 24-21 heading into the fourth quarter, right? Yeah. But both teams say, yeah, yeah, we scored a lot of touchdowns. We've done enough. But have we kicked field goals? <laughs> so they begin experimenting. Indianapolis does, to their credit, kick off with a touchdown. And then Chris Singleton returns an, an interception in 82 yards for New England's second pick six of the game. So now it's 28-31, Indianapolis leading. And then New England ties with a field goal. Indianapolis takes the lead with a field goal of their own. And then as time expires, New England ties the game to send it to overtime. Now I just want to note something, Andrew. The 0-9 Patriots were so bad that playing against a Colts team making a ton of mistakes, they still needed two pick sixes to even tie the game. (laughs) Yeah. But then you may laugh but New England wins. They kick a field goal in overtime. 37-34, New England. New England is now 1-9 and on the season. Their first win. They go into Indianapolis, and they win. And I just want to say, Andrew, how much did Tom Brady contribute there? I mean, he sure, he was a little baby boy still in uh, Santa Clara, or still in uh, the West Coast, you know, San Francisco area. You know, growing up and wanting to be a, a 49er. But yeah. I think in his heart of hearts, you know, God has his plans. And, you know, he said he said to he said to Tom, he says he says to him, Tom, you're heading into New England. And by God, you're going to make that team so good that even your will now will contribute right. to you being the greatest football player of all time. Couldn't agree more. Sitting simply by existing. Truly, mm-hmm. truly an elite talent of our time. 
So I want to talk a bit about Scott Zolak, right? The quarterback for the Patriots in this game. Yeah. A lot of people talk about Scott Zolak. And by a lot of people, I mean not very many people, to be honest. Uh, he's <laughs> As not, in just us. Yeah, I mean, he had eight career touchdowns in the NFL and seven career interceptions. So I think that kind of tells you a lot about how much playing time he got. But let's give you some Scott Zolak fun facts. First of all, when he was in high school, Joe Montana gave him a, f- a football. So there you go. That's cool, right? Yeah. He also pulled a, um, a uh, Sammy Baugh and was not only his team's starting quarterback, but also their punter Ooh. in high school. Going, and he going, also, going down that Danny White path. Okay. He also played on the basketball team as a, as a forward. And he lettered every year from freshman through senior year, not only in football, but also in basketball. So this team was just a really good athlete. Yep. Then he goes to the University of Maryland. And he's behind NFL legends, future NFL legends at this point. He's the third string quarterback uh, between Dan, uh, behind Dan Henning and Neil O'Donnell. All right, pretty exciting stuff. Now you're excited there, but Scott Zolak, he comes in right. He gets a few a few appearances right, and then the most amazing thing happens. After backing up O'Donnell in '89, he is given the reins in 1990. Neil O'Donnell graduates, starts his NFL career. Zolak is the man. There are high hopes. And in fairness, he actually set the school record in his first uh, his first game, beating Virginia Tech. But I want to talk about his last game, Andrew. Because he's playing Louisiana Tech, right? Yeah. You know what the score was? I I, I wouldn't know. It was a tie, Andrew. Oh. They tied 34 to 34. Oh. <laughs> Don't tell me that. <laughs> also, a little fun fact about Scott Zolak. He's actually the last quarterback you drafted from the University of Maryland. Yeah, that sounds about right. Maryland had just hasn't really found a quarterback ever since. So Really shocking considering the University of Maryland status has a QB factory, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to talk to you about something, Andrew. Yeah. Because I mentioned that our boy Scott Zolak, he played punter. Mm-hmm. Do you know who else played punter and quarterback? Danny White. And cornerback. Sammy Baugh. Sammy Baugh wasn't just any kind of punter. Not only was he the best quarterback in the league in his era, not only was he the best cornerback in the league in his time in the league, he wasn't only, he was also the best punter in the league. But not only that, he had the best single season of any punter ever, bar none. Really? And you know how I know this, Andrew? How? Not only is Sammy Baugh second all-time in career yards per punt behind Shane Leckler, right? Mm -hmm. But listen to this. Accounting for both NFL and college stats, Sammy Baugh holds the record for the highest single-season yards per punt average with a preposterous 51.4 yards per punt. For an entire oh season. Oh my gosh. Isn't the average usually around like 47, 48, something like that? Uh, no, not even. Average NFL punt 2021. So to give you reference, the highest career for any is um, 
is uh, I think it's Shane Leckler with like 47. That's his co- average career one. Um, the n- highest net average of this year is 42.7. So, mind you. So, Sammy Baugh's punting n- near a full 10 yards more than, than any other punter. Yep. That is so ridiculously good. It's like the, all the little minutiae. This seems like this seems like Bill Belichick's type of guy. Yeah. So what I'm saying here is Sammy Baugh is the greatest of all time. Did he ever Joe's win MVP? Brady outside. Uh no, they didn't have an MVP award. They should just name the MVP after Sammy Baugh. They should. I mean, Sammy Baugh. Wait, what? Oh, interesting. Did you know Sammy Baugh was? Uh... Oh yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. He also played running back. He played running back, too? In college, he was only a quarterback, running back, and punter. And he transitioned from running back to corner at the pro level. Oh, okay. But he was also, little interesting fact for you, born in Texas, was a Catholic. Went to Texas Christian. That's right. So anyway, He's unironically the greatest football player of all time. And frankly, I don't think there's much of a case against him. He's arguably the greatest punter of all time, a great shutdown corner, and the guy who made the, the forward pass a viable option in an NFL offense. I really don't know how much more he could reasonably do. You I mean, know what he, I mean? I mean, he reasonably revolutionized the game while also being one of the key innovators at three positions. Yeah, I mean... Imagine if today somebody was even league average at three positions. I think the, I think I think the closest we have is Patrick Patrick I'm sorry, Patrick <laughs> Ricard uh of the mm-hmm. Ravens who plays fullback and linebacker. Yeah. That's kind of the closest we got. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like think about like how baseball went crazy for Shohei Otani. Mind you, Shohei Otani is really good and deservedly won MVP, right? Yeah. But Shohei Otani only played two different levels and he didn't revolutionize either. So like th- think about the, the Otani mania, but it would be even more with Sammy Baugh. I genuinely think Sammy Baugh is a name that more people should know. And I think that when people discuss greatest of all time, we often are blinded by recency where we think, well, well, Tom Brady was so good, but jokes aside, Sammy Baugh would be the best guy to build your team around because you have your lockdown corner, elite punter, and elite quarterback all in one. <laughs> Just pay him, and you've already got an upgrade for your offense, defense, and special teams. All three also phases can, of the game. Also, he can fill in at running back if you need because he played it in college. Ridiculous. Anyway, Sammy Boss support aside, I want to talk a little bit about Bubby Brister. I've been because, waiting. So... You might have meant, you might have mentioned Andrew that uh, Jeff George was that uh, was the uh, Colts quarterback for that last game you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And I know the first thing you were thinking of was, did Jeff George play Bubby Brister? He was at the I... top of my my mind. <laughs> he did, Andrew. Ooh, and okay. Bubby, Bubby won twenty one to three. That's right. Dominant, dominant. It was nineteen ninety one? Bubby threw two touchdowns and he went thirteen for sixteen. For a passer rating of 113.6. He only missed three throws, Harry. Two of them were interceptions. Don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Bobby Brewster, 
the Colt Killer? Maybe. Probably. Yeah. And unlike Tom Brady, he didn't need to deflate his football. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andrew, we've been talking a lot about your Sammy Boss, your Scott Zolax, your Andrew Lux. But there's a game. It's gonna this happen. Sunday. This Sunday. This very, this very Sunday. What's going to happen, Andrew? All right. So, this one is actually probably going to be might, – might just be the game of the week. Um, really? Uh, hold Big on. Big cult me... believer, then. Uh, let me just double check the schedule real quick. Um, just so, oh wait, no, we got Chiefs Chargers tonight. Yeah, that's true. Chiefs Chargers is better. Yeah, but this is probably the most, it's one of the most important games of the season now, uh, in in terms of playoff implications. So New England is coming into this nine and four. Indy is coming into this seven and six. Now, New England has the has that um has that conference lead by a thread. Um they are only one game up behind the next guy, which is the Ravens, mm-hmm. and the Ravens are imploding right now due to injuries. But it's pretty much the entire AFC is log jammed at seven and six. Um so Indianapolis needs games, uh needs to get some games into the wind calm and fast. Um, and not only that, mm-hmm. but they are capable of getting to the Patriots. I really do think this. Um, Carson Wentz is, has been playing a decent bit better, um, sort of slowly getting back to what he used to be. Uh, and you've really been seeing this in the past three weeks, four weeks if you really want to count the Jaguars game. But you know they've won their they've won three of their last four. They ran it they ran it super close against Tampa Bay. Um, right. Two weeks ago, blew out the Texans uh, on their last outing. Wow. Where they, where they, they just, blew out the Texans. No, but they shut them out. They shut them out. So, I mean, it's something. I but guess. I, I look, I know it's they're basically running against a practice squad team, okay? But you got to play who's on your schedule, Harry. But. Sure. The Colts have genuinely been making strides. Carson Wentz has been looking better. Jonathan Taylor has completely leveled up uh, into being probably the best running back this year. Uh, well, only because Derrick Henry's injured. Yeah, only because Derrick Henry's injured. He's not, he, okay, if I wanted to be that guy, I could say, he's not even the best running back in his own division. Oh, oh. Which is funny, because it's true. I mean, but but yeah, like, John and Taylor is going off right now. The offensive line has been rock solid for the past couple of years and has been good again this year. And the defense is starting to pull it together. On the flip side, the Patriots are back on the roll. They have guaranteed a winning season with their win last last time in their last outing. Uh, let me just double-check their schedule. So, yeah, after <laughs> embarrassing the Bills on Monday Night Football in that wind game, where Mac Jones threw three whole passes, um, the Patriots are just on a completely different level. They yeah. they can run the ball, and we know they can run the ball. They don't have I'm to. I'm surprised pass. they were able to do it without Tom Brady's moral support, though. Honest question: How'd they do it? I mean, you know, even divorced parents can be friendly with each other, Harry. <laughs> and you know. There's so you have to be cordial on some level, and Tom Brady was friendly. He was friendly with with Bill Belichick these past couple of weeks. So, 
You know, maybe Bill wanted to rekindle that that relationship a little bit. Got a little more moral support from that, and you know, he knew his he knew his ex was cheering from home, and that made him feel better. I think it's more like um, Tom Brady sees Bill Belichick as a father figure. Hmm. And even though he's left, he still wants to impress his dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> but anyways, uh, I think this game's going to be a really good one, folks. Uh, it's a classic blue collar football. Just going to be running. Or, or, ama- These are both really good running teams. Uh, I do think the Patriots are going to edge out the Colts because I just think their defense is better. Uh, and more equipped to deal with a mm-hmm. Colts offense that really doesn't have any perimeter weapons outside of, I don't know, T.Y. Hilton, if he's even healthy. Um, it's just not that great of a receiving core for the Colts. Um, so to kind of respond to that, um, I, I do think that the Patriots defense is going to be able to suffocate the Colts enough to where right. they, they, they have to – throw and Carson Wentz is going to have to be the one to win this game for the Colts because if not yeah yeah because the Patriots all they really need to do is run the ball and let Mac Jones just play point guard and just toss it up wherever he wants and don't get me wrong folks Mac Jones is really good Mac Jones is has been the best rookie quarterback this year and he's playing like a five-year vet okay Okay, the best, the second best rookie quarterback this year is Davis Mills. Okay, so like, calm down here. <laughs> okay, We're, this is not the Kyler Murray year. Okay, this has been a really disappointing class of rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, I know, I know, but not to take away from Mac Jones. You are right; he has played very well. I mean, Mac very Jones has been playing like a better Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not as handsome though. Not as ha- well. No one really is no one is that's true that that is a movie star playing at quarterback man there's no (laughs) there's no competing with that you know women they want him men they want him want to be him want to be him (laughs) (laughs) but seriously i agree with you here i mean the fact of the matter is you're asking bill belichick to take a team to take a team with a questionable quarterback and beat him and i'm sorry but bill belichick defenses feast on quarterbacks like carson wentz who might have good upside but are mistake prone i just don't see a situation in which mac jones panics and starts forcing the ball downfield and throws a bunch of interceptions which means as you said it's going to be on carson wentz to essentially overcome everything so barring jonathan taylor leveling up again i don't think that it'll be anything but carson wentz and Carson Wentz is not the guy you want to be the difference maker against a Bill Belichick defense, especially one that isn't playing as well as this current Patriots defense has. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, but, I think that about covers the game, Harry. Yeah. So I had this story here yep. about how Urban Meyer. So Urban Meyer, he was frustrated. Frustrated, Andrew. Had a bit he of was. a moment. A bit of a heated moment. The, so... Jaguars kicker Josh Lambeau was a really good kicker for a good number of years there. But recently, he struggled. Suspiciously, once Urban Meyer got in, he started to struggle. But, you know, he missed a few kicks beginning of the year. This is normal kicker stuff. I mean, the Packers basically ignore the fact that Mason Crosby is now missing like half his field goals. So, you know, 
depending on the franchise, there's a lot of margin for error. Meanwhile, you may be taken outside and shot if you are a Chicago kicker and you miss more than a couple of field goals because of trauma from the <laughs> Cody Parkey double doink. <laughs> so you can see how, depending on the team, there's uh, room for error. But where Matt Nagy will only cut his kickers, Urban Meyer goes further. He, see, he likes to uh, kick them out the door, so to speak. See, Urban Meyer was very concerned, presumably. I'm only assuming here that he was concerned that Josh Lambeau's kicking form was poor and he wanted to show him how to properly kick the football. That's why I'm assuming he kicked Josh Lambeau while Lambeau was stretching. That's the only reason I can imagine that he would do that. No, no, no. He wasn't stretching. He wasn't stretching. He was planted. Yeah, he did plant leg. Yeah, so uh, to kind of, you know, to give you guys the full story, right? Um, so... Josh Lambeau, part of the Jaguars at the time, is, is making kicks, right? And he makes a kick during practice, right? And while Urban Meyer, you know, th- you know, how how do I say this, Harry? So he's in a position to where the leg is like above the head after he kicks, it, it, like the stretch position, right? And Urban Meyer. In all of his genius, in all of his wisdom, <laughs> in all of his wisdom, says, hey, expletive, make your effing kicks. And he kicks him in the leg. And <sighs> then Lambo says, don't you ever effing kick me again. To which Urban Meyer says, I'm the head ball coach. I'll kick you whenever the F I want. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, so, you know, a little bit of an interesting Urban Meyer moment. Now, of course, Urban Meyer is, a uh, little fun fact for you, fired now. So, uh... As of, like, was, 20 minutes ago. Was this the final straw? I mean, I don't know what to say, except that this is... But this is bizarre, right? Because I think this is a good example of why Urban Meyer sets himself apart from other bad coaches. There are coaches who just don't win. Mm-hmm. But think, honestly think back to the last time you heard about an NFL coach kicking his own <laughs> kicker. <laughs> what? What is this? This is a parody. This is like, I, I, this is like a, this is like an SNL skit where they, uh, where they like let a guy with anger issues onto a football field to coach a team. You know what I mean? And, like, he can't handle it. Like, that actually sounds like a good skit, not going to lie. I mean, I'm serious. Like, running up to your kicker, kicking him and saying, make your effing kicks. Like, <laughs> are you trying to start a fight? Genuinely, what are you doing? Um, again, I assume Urban Meyer was simply trying to demonstrate to Josh Lambeau proper kicking form. And, of course, the NFL media, which is always out to destroy urban meyer by asking him gotcha questions like why aren't you playing your rookies (laughs) you know i'm sure they just spun it except clearly they didn't spin it too hard because urban meyer just got fired Uh. so in other news the nfl propaganda machine is churning in overdrive because you see uh uh-oh something very bad happened which representative carolyn maloney yeah yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I was just informed again by my father of Urban Meyer's fault, uh, firing. It's yeah. a family event. We all 
It's a family thing. It's something you gather hate. around the fire for. Yeah, we, we collectively hate Urban Meyer. But Representative Carolyn Maloney, a New York Democrat who's on the House Oversight Committee, and another Democrat uh, colleague whose name I cannot remember, actually made a request for the NFL to disclose their investigation on sexual harassment in the Washington football team. Uh-oh, here we go. This is very bad because, you see, the, the, the NFL's investigations were very simple. You investigate, you give slaps on the wrist, and then you burn all the evidence. That is how it's done in the <laughs> NFL. But now the government's getting involved, and this is very bad. So now Goodell has been sent out to inform the public that actually nothing bad is going on. And he's declared that there's been no interference with the investigation and that the Washington football team has been open and very effective. Tell Moreover, him about Snyder. He also said, and this is, this, is, this is what's so fascinating here. So, again, remember how those two members of Congress had asked for the, it to be disclosed. And they asked for a written transcript, right, of the investigation. Like, yes. here's my findings. The NFL says, <clears throat> there is no written report of the inquiry. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? What kind of kangaroo court do they have going down there? In- this is like when they found all the tapes from Spygate and then just destroyed them. Like, why? <laughs> He's like, well, I, I'm sorry, but uh, I, what, what? Um, yeah, so basically they asked him to turn over any evidence. And then Goodell was like, well, we don't have any evidence because we didn't write anything down. <laughs> which honestly a bold move you know what i mean yeah like if someone said if the irs said hey you've been committing tax fraud let me see your tax forms you're like i don't write down my tax forms like <laughs> i mean <laughs> it's an interesting strategy gotcha. to be sure gotcha it's an interesting strategy but besides the fact that the nfl apparently keeps records like a five-year-old um it's certainly interesting because Washington football team, man, I don't know how much the NFL is going to support this team. Like, Dan Snyder has already, like, thrown John Gruden under the bus. He's, like, really poorly retired. He did a really poor, poorly planned tribute to Sean Taylor. Um, he's – there's clear allegations of sexual harassment. RG3's writing a book. Like, how long is the NFL going to do don't damage forget, control? Don't forget that apparently he's such a cheapskate that on the away oh, team's God. benches – that was funny. They like it didn't have proper heating. Now this is in to Virginia. Be, to be fair, to be fair, if it wasn't Dan Snyder, if it was actually a good owner and the away team didn't get heated benches, I would think that was funny. You know what yeah. I mean? That would be funny. But I don't believe that it was like a ho ho. We hate the Cowboys, don't we, fellas? I believe Dan Snyder genuinely was unwilling to spend the money. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he he was so unwilling to spend the money. That and you have to admit this is funny. Jerry Jones yeah, they just, brought, they brought just ships his own benches yeah. with the big white, white and and navy blue cowboys, mm-hmm. a cowboys logo everywhere on the benches, and it's a you can tell it is a massive eyesore on the field. It is a yes, the cowboys logo is an eyesore. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not here to defend Dan Snyder, but. I, I don't know what to say, man. I Genuinely, what does he have to do? I mean, I think he really needs to, like, hit Jerry Jones. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> he, like, punches Jerry Jones in the face. That will rally the NFL to get rid of him. Because well, I genuinely it, don't. 
it, they're, they're such old men at this point that, you know, it's really not much. It could kill Jerry. <laughs> Actually, no, Snyder's like in his 50s, right? Yeah, that's the problem. He's not going anywhere. Ugh. So uh. finally, though, um, we're actually in an interesting spot because, see, the Bengals, they're playing, they're a good team, like sort of, kind of. Yeah. They're not bad. They're not bad. That's for sure. I mean, they're good, but they're just not ready yet. Well, Zach Taylor, coming off of a crushing defeat to the 49ers, said, quote, nobody wants to play us. Which, uh, okay. Like, they're a spoiler. Like, I get that you're head coach. I get that you're head coach. You need to be confident. But, like, come on. Do they even make the top eight teams that, like, people don't want to play? Oh, okay. Okay. Seriously. Well, no. Are you asking, like, is it a top 10 team in the NFL right now? Because that I'd say no, but. Seriously. Like, I'm asking you, Andrew. Are they even in the top 10 teams people wouldn't want to play? Top eight, top 10, any of that? No. I mean, you're asking me, like, teams that are, like, spoiler teams, right? Yeah. But but spoiler teams good enough to actually make a run. Yeah. I mean, you're lumping you're lumping the Bengals in with teams like the Chargers. The Chargers are better than the Bengals. Yeah, they're better. They but... beat them. No, I, I I'm agreeing, but I'm yeah. saying like they're in the same they're in a similar cluster. I uh, guess, but the Bengals are kind of the worst of that spoiler cluster. I mean, in that, the... I mean, in that spoiler cluster, you got what the Niners, the Bengals, uh, the Chargers. Chargers. The Bengals have lost to a lot of their I supposedly mean, even level teams. I don't know. I mean, kind of the uh, kind of the the Vikings, but I I, very I don't even know what to say about the Vikings. Like I don't know, but of course, the Washington football team is not in that tier. It's in the Super Bowl contender tier. Uh, obviously, obviously, number rule number one. Uh, we've just lulled everyone into the into a false sense of security. But we're gonna win again. Yeah, that's right. We tricked everyone. We infected, we intentionally, as a defense, infected ourselves with COVID. So now that seven or 11 defensive starters are out with COVID. Oh, God. But that's all. We're lulling them into a false sense of security. We're going <laughs> to They don't want to see okay. the backups. That's right. <laughs> nobody Andrew... wants to play. Andrew, nobody <laughs> wants to play us. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. All right. Well, well, not that saying that sums Zach, up our feelings on that. Yeah, Zach Taylor, I just don't think also, he's it, man. Yeah, I was gonna say, does Zach Taylor get to say that? Like, bro, you're you're literally Zach Taylor. I'm sorry. It, you got the job because you had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay. He's hung on though longer than I would have expected. You know? Yeah, I would have expected him to, expected him to be fired by now, but. I don't he, know. They held what? they held on to Marvin Lewis for like fifteen years. So I say what you about Marvin Lewis. He made them a decent franchise in the regular season. Does Zach Taylor even made the playoffs? No. How many is he? Was he there? To, definitely last year. Was he there the year before that? Yes. Really? He's been he, there for three years. He's been he he got hired in the Sean McVania mania year. So that would have been after the Super Bowl run. So he got hired in twenty nineteen then. For the 2019 season. Yes. Oh, okay. 
Wow. I'm kind of surprised that I, I mean, I can see the rationale 2019 is his first year, 2020, the team is actually playing pretty well under Burrow. Then he gets injured. So maybe he should get another run, but that actually raises the question. What is Zach Taylor? Where is Zach Taylor? If they don't make the playoffs again this year, because he's had three years, including now in this second year, what is hopefully a full year of Burrow. If he doesn't make the playoffs, that puts him on the hot seat, right? I mean, you have to think that because we're not, we're still not really sure what his scheme really is. You know, it's like it's a lot of West Coast concepts, a uh, certain amount of outside zone runs, but it's not exactly the way Sean McVay does it. It's just he's just a very milquetoast head coach. I don't know. I don't. He he's a winner. It's like he's not reportedly he's he's not like some exceptional leader or anything he's fine but i don't know i expected him to be worse than this honestly uh because he got straight hired from being the qb coach that's true so i don't know like zach taylor is fine but if there's better options on the market this offseason and there will be you have to look to other options, man. Because you got you got Matt mm, Eber, you yeah. got you got Matt Eberflus of the Colts, defensive coordinator, who should be a head coaching candidate. You still have the guys from last year who never got hired, like Brian Dable, or Brian uh, Dable. or Eric. Though his Eric his sort of star has fallen a little bit. Yeah, not been a great look. The Bills, by the way. Wow, Josh Allen's twenty twenty doesn't look like a fluke, but their twenty twenty sure does look like a fluke. Yeah, it's uh. Imagine their entire running game being Josh Allen, and that's pretty much Bill been Belichick the last just. Month. Bill Belichick gave him a pat for uh, keeping their seat warm. Yep, but uh, it's uh, there's there's no new power in the AFC East, so that's certainly it's a shame too for the Bills because this would have been their year with the Chiefs looking immortal and you know Belichick's team only recently playing while the NFC not having a clear cut great team like this would have been the year to make a run if you're the Bills but they really I mean they were four and one they were four and one I think that is one thing that we have to remember is that what are they seven and six now yeah they are seven and six now by the way the Pats are on a Jesus. seven game win streak good lord I mean I'm sorry but that's such a regression four and one to seven and six good lord anyway anyway I, I think that sort of brings up an interesting point, which is more broadly, Andrew. Are the Chiefs back? Because, I mean, we're talking about the power of the AFC. The Patriots are back. The Bills are down. The Titans are injured beyond recognition. So that really leaves uh, the, the Ravens are super injured. The Bengals are not ready yet. Uh, the Steelers are the Steelers, and the Browns <laughs> are injured. So, like of the good teams in the AFC, what the question mark clearly is who are the Chiefs? Are they that team that was struggling earlier this year, or are they the team that just blew out the Raiders like forty nine to nothing or whatever? I mean, obviously the 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 cop out answer is somewhere in between, but I think after after we see this final matchup with the Chargers this year, mm. uh, as well as how they play against the Bengals, um, in, on uh week. What'll that be? Seventeen, yeah, seventeen. Yeah. So during on this Thursday night, as well as against the Bengals in about two weeks, I think we're gonna get our answer uh, if the Chiefs are really back. Um, but that's not to say that 
Patrick Mahomes still hasn't been making the similar mistakes that he was making earlier on in the year. He's just not making them mm-hmm. at the same rate that he was earlier on in the year. He's still making some boneheaded throws, um, but he's mostly back. And really, once you have Pat Mahomes back, there you go. What more do you your, need? That that that's your Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. So what you're telling me is that the Chiefs are kind of back, and really mostly back. Yeah, they're they're mostly back. I think once they blew out the Raiders so bad. You know, you you could kind of see it. The defense hasn't been as atrocious this past month. So mm-hmm. you want to see them make... Did you hear that Derek Carr got peer pressure into doing the logo thing? Oh, no. At the press conference after the game, they got blown out, right? And they were on the Chiefs logo before the game. And, you know, they were disrespecting the Chiefs logo, blah, blah, blah. And the reporter asks, you know, Derek, why would you do this? Why would you, like, stand on their logo? Because he's and normally not stuff? that type of guy. Yeah, I mean, that's not what they do. That's not a normal thing. That's why it was a disrespectful thing, and it was seen as such a big deal. And Derek's like, well, you know, everyone else was doing it. Like, Aww. <laughs> Aww. Yeah, he's the kid who gets brought to the principal's office. <laughs> like, <laughs> bro, you're the quarterback. You got to be a leader here. Poor guy. It's been a rough year for the Raiders, man. Yes, you can say that again. Oh man, what's I mean, their what's their loss streak since losing since losing Gruden? Uh, I need to check this. So no, they won some games. They won like one Raiders record. Uh, they are six and seven. And yeah, of what, those what games, week did they lose Gruden? What week did they lose Gruden? They had Gruden. Oh, shoot, Gruden fired date. Yeah, it would have been. They fired him on uh, October, like October 11th, I think. October 11th? No, 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 no. Never mind. No, no, no. Excuse me. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, stepped down Monday. This is, what would that have been? Uh, he stepped down Monday. This was published on October 28th. Late October. Let's just call it late October, okay? So, so, so their, their, their record since then, uh, let's see... They are like, one. They're like, they're like two and two and four. Well, they beat the Cowboys. Yeah, they and they yeah they, their only win I believe was, was against, against the, the Eagles. Cowboys. Oh, was they beat Cowboys? the Cowboys too. Uh, do they have Gruden? They might have had Gruden. Uh, Raiders. I don't think the coaches show up on the stats, which makes it kind of difficult to tell. They well, they either have two wins or one win without Gruden. Yeah. So, either way, it's not a good look. to the Cowboys, but also, yeah, not a great look. Um, but yeah, I think that's about. I think it's about it for the show, Harry. I do believe so. I think we have uh, given our thoughts. Also, Andrew, Washington Football Team Super Bowl. I hope so. I think we all hope so. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Bubby Brister's Brunch Buddies. I hope you've enjoyed. Gained some new perspective on the NFL or at least gain some Bubby Brewster and Sammy Baugh trivia. Thanks again for listening. Have a great evening, and we hope to catch you next time.